just thought to take a little time out to thank the Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for season six. Thank you. Who would have thought a podcast could be a gift? Really? That pressing B could spiritually uplift and simultaneously give a Pharisee fits. <laughs> all in all, you the one controlling it. So, the Lord is my shepherd. I can't go skit. So, this new pot life is like a skit, though. A lot of people swinging. I didn't even throw a pitch, though. Uh, forehead is flint, what I'ma flinch for? Nothing. We all gonna repent for what we did, so I'ma keep it moving, ain't no stripper or no cussing Gonna ruin what we doing, we are dwelling in communion Assignment is different, dwellers get the sentiment Vulnerability's my superpower, how many feeling it? Thank you Lord for this influence Without you, influence just don't make sense Nah If you've got a problem, who's going to solve it? It isn't going to be the therapist. The amount of stuff that are, that's going into our kids' uh, heads is unprecedented. <laughs> restart button in your life I am going to help you get over your past be able to embrace your present and plan for an incredible future so join me and let's reset together and for a very short time get master reset every other course from Tim plus an entire library of courses that will change your life Plans are starting at $8.25 per month with the code BASEMENT. Click on the link in the description or go to tomap.com and sign up today. Welcome everybody to The Basement. I am your host, Tim Ross. I hope you're all doing well. I love you guys so much and uh, I am so grateful today uh, to our press beers our dwellers, our promoters, all of you all who are extravagant on Cash App and PayPal, we thank you for supporting this content and allowing us to be out here bold, brave, and courageous. I love you guys so much. Listen, I don't want to have a lot of preliminary. I have a guest here who I have loved for longer than I've actually known him. Uh, the first book that I read uh, when I gave my life to Jesus in 1996 from him, it was called The Bait of Satan. It has kept me from having a root of bitterness in my heart and offense ever since. Uh, this man has written um, a myriad of books, 
He's left a library, a deposit for the body of Christ, almost like breadcrumbs uh, for them to pick up and to continue navigating and growing in their spiritual development with the Lord, uh, developing a thick skin, but keeping a soft heart. Um, he is an amazing communicator, author, father, husband, grandfather, no great grandkids yet. Do you No. Okay. All right. We're not there yet. Um, but I want to uh, introduce to some, present to others, the one, the only. John Bevere is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go! <laughs> Thank you so much. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you, Tim. I'm so grateful. I have grateful. loved you for years, ever since I first met you. Thank you, man. We hit it off like we were brothers from another we mother. We did. We did. We did. Absolutely. <laughs> I and said, this young man is amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you. I, You're I love- not young. I shouldn't say that. Well, I mean, but no, I, I, I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you would spend a little time with me. We are at the Daystar Studios in Grapevine, Texas. Is this Grapevine? Bedford. Bedford, Texas. It's really, really close. It's a stone's, a stone's throw it's from somewhere in DFW. It's somewhere in DFW. They were so grateful. I mean, so generous to allow us to use this facility because you were on uh, Daystar with Joni today. Yeah. And have done some content here. And instead of trying to get all the way up to Denton and then get to a plane, they were just extravagant and generous enough. No, I think you were the one that was very kind and generous and grateful. So I've done four cities and four nights the last four nights. I did Kansas City Thursday night. Dallas was, or Tulsa Friday. Dallas Saturday. Sunday was Houston. And then I flew up here to do three programs today. And when my assistant came to me and said, Tim Ross wants you on, I said, I love Tim Ross. <laughs> I absolutely love that man of God. And I said, but I don't see how I can do it. Yeah. And you were the ones, all of you guys here in the studios, gracious to come here and do this for me. Thank well, you. We, we, we value you and your time. And the fact that you could fit us in means a lot. So listen, this is um, usually a, you know, laid back, catch a wave and write it wherever we want. Uh, but you wrote a book that um, I'm going to use a very violent term. Okay. But I mean it in the most endearing way. Okay. It impaled my heart. Wow. Like I can't even, even thinking about it makes me emotional. In a very, very, um, uh, in a very good way. Uh, but you wrote a book about uh, essentially returning to the reverential fear of God. Yes, sir. And it's called the awe of God. Yes. And so, um, and I'm grateful that you named it the awe of God and not the fear of God. Because I think some people would have been too afraid to pick it up. Correct. Correct. <laughs> but. Um, and that was the reason we did that. <laughs> I'm so grateful. <laughs> For your team and whoever, right, that that makes those smart decisions. Um, but I want to hear from your heart uh, about um, what went behind the burden to write this book. Gosh, Tim, there's so many places, and I'm glad we've got time. But this all began for me in 1994. I just saw the 
fear of the Lord. And and let's just let's just get it out on the table so everybody doesn't start saying, I'm not listening to this one. <laughs> what we've done is we've done a grave mistake and we've put all fears into a bucket and mm. called it destructive fears. Mm. I want to submit to everybody that there are constructive fears and there are destructive fears. Wow. Let me give you an example. All fear produces wisdom, correct? Correct. All right. The fear of being mauled by a mother grizzly bear will give me the wisdom to not mess with her little cubs in front of her. That fear actually will save my life. Now, that fear can go to destructive in the fact that I won't even take a walk in the woods because I fear that grizzly. Now Mm. it's destructive. Mm. So let's, first of all, put all destructive fears in this bucket that we're going to address. There is a fear that eradicates, totally does away with all destructive fears including the most destructive fear, and that is called the fear of man. And that is, and the fear of the Lord is what does it. So wow. let's continue to alleviate any destructive fears in people right now. Yep, yep, yep. The fear of the Lord has nothing to do with being scared of God. Right. Okay, that's so important. All right, why do I say that? God's number one desire is to be intimate with us. Right. Okay. How can we be intimate with somebody we're scared of? It's Can't. impossible. That's right. That's exactly so right. God is not going to advocate fear, the fear of the Lord, yep. if he knows it's going to hinder intimacy. Right. All right. Now let's talk about how important this is. Isaiah 33 verse 6 says that the fear of the Lord is God's treasure. Mm. Okay. Now just stop. Mm. Everybody listening, do you guys have... Do you have treasures? What do you do with your treasures? Do you like throw them on the front lawn? Do you put them in your junk drawer? Nope. You make sure that they're protected, they're handled correctly. That's right. Fear of the Lord's God treasure. Isaiah 11, three, the fear of the Lord was Jesus's delight. Mm. So, and it talks about wisdom. It talks about counsel, knowledge, understanding. It talks about uh, one other, I I can't remember right now. Anyway, it said, but his delight was the fear of the Lord. Yeah. Now let's move over to Paul the Apostle, who we love so much, right? Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not loving kindness, fear and trembling. Wow. So we're wow. talking about God's treasure, Jesus' delight, and what matures our salvation. Why aren't we talking about this more? Yeah. And I think we should talk about this as much as we talk about the love of God, because both are extremely yes. Important. Absolutely correct. So back in 1994, Tim, I'm asked to this church conference, and it's a big, big church. Actually, the biggest church in the whole area and very well known. Yep. And I'm doing Thursday and Friday night for their church conference. And Thursday night, I had been studying the fear of the Lord because I thought, I'm seeing this too much in the scripture, and I I never hear anything about it. Mm. So I'm just doing a personal Bible study. Mm. <laughs> in front of everybody. <laughs> no, no, the Holy oh. Spirit speaks to me, and I'd never spoken on it in public because I'm just trying to learn it yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were doing this for you. <clears throat> so the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, I want you to speak on it tonight. Yeah, Tim. I'm like, okay. So a little bit of trepidation, I do it. And it's, you know, it's it's very... Very lighthearted. Yep. Very much not going anywhere damaging or. Right, right, right. Because you had just waded into the water yourself. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the (laughs) next night, the the last night of the conference, which which was Friday night, the pastor gets up to do what I think is going to be a routine introduction. And he said, folks, John preached error last night. 
and I want to protect you from it. And he said, he gave us an Old Testament doctrine. You had to fear the Lord in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we are told perfected love casts out fear. And we are told that God's not given us a spirit of fear. I'm sitting on the front row, and Tim, I'm thinking, this is, this is actually not happening. This is a nightmare. I'm going to wake up from this. But it's really happening. And then I thought, okay. And he actually stands up my wife and says, you're welcome back here, and says nothing to me. And then... <clears throat> And then, um, to my shock, utter shock, Tim, he introduced me to come <gasps> preach again. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to preach tonight. I'll sit here and just go back to the hotel after this. He introduced me. It's the hardest message I've ever preached in my life. And I went back to the hotel the next morning. Okay, I, can, can I just, can we, can, can we slow down real quick? Yeah, slow it down. <clears throat> Because we have some young preachers aspiring to ministry. How do you still get up after that? Because you, you, I know you to be a brave man. The fear of God will eradicate all other fears. It wasn't easy. I'll be the first to say that. But I knew I had an assignment. I knew there were people there that were hungry. I knew he was, I knew he was misinformed. Mm. He was confusing the spirit of fear with the holy fear of God. And I just had to get up and put all my feelings aside and just share. Mm. And I and I will say it's probably one of the shorter messages I've preached. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but but this is when, where it gets interesting. Yeah. The next morning, I was in this hotel complex and there was a construction site. Now Saturday morning, there's no construction workers. I went down to that construction site and I said, God, I'm so sorry. I've hurt your church. Please, please forgive me. What what have I done wrong? How have I hurt them? And what I found was not the discipline of the Lord in my heart. I felt the pleasure of the Lord. And before that time was up, I found myself crying out to know the holy fear of God. That's when it started for me. Wow. So it was 30 years ago next year. Yep. Just a little bit of history. Church doesn't exist anymore, and the pastor's not in ministry anymore. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Now, that brings us to something I'll get to down the road in our discussion, probably. The fear of the Lord is what gives us longevity. I I know that when I was young in ministry, the first thing I looked at is, how big is this man's church? How big is this conference? Now that I'm 64 in a couple weeks, Mm -hmm. first thing I look at when I walk in is, what's this man's children like? What's his wife like? I, I have so become aware that longevity is a challenge. Um, there was a pastor. He's, his name is Steve Doolin. He's Robert Morris's executive pastor. He's a, he's a friend of mine. He said, John, you need to check my figures on this. So I'm going to say to everybody, check the figures on this. Yep. But he said he saw a statistic that 10% of the people that start in ministry end in ministry, which means 90% of the people that start in ministry end don't end in ministry. Now, I will say the reason I'm only the reason I'm taking the chance of saying that yep. is a Dallas Theological Seminary professor did a deep dive on the scriptures for one thing. How did people finish? He discovered after probably over a thousand hours of research, 75% of the people in the Bible who had a call on their life did not finish well or had their effectiveness thwarted because 
of something. So longevity should be our topic of conversation. This is what drove the motive of writing The Awe of God, yep. is I discovered that what gives longevity in ministry is the holy awe of God. Yep. I don't want to talk too much, so I know, you, I know it's supposed to be conversational. No, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> so, Please continue. <laughs> so I look at, I look at Proverbs, and Proverbs says, by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So I'm going to take you back to 1994 again. I get, a, I get a call from my assistant. My assistant says, I just got a call from Jim Baker's assistant. Now, most everybody on this podcast has no idea who Jim Baker is. Right. Because they weren't even born yet. Right, for sure. Okay, so Absolutely. let me let me help everybody understand who Jim Baker is. Yep. He was the number one evangelist in the world in the 1980s. Yes, he was. I got saved in the late 70s, mm-hmm. so I watched him a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I watched that man cry, weep yep. over souls. Yep. I saw him talk about Jesus so affectionately. Yep. I loved listening to him. Yep. He became one of the most famous men on the planet for the wrong reasons. He uh, committed mail fraud with right. his ministry. He was uh, sentenced First of all, he was he was tried, mm-hmm. and CNN covered his trial every single day. They cooked him. <clears throat> he was sentenced for 45 years. It was reduced to five. I get a call asking to go visit him because he had read the first book I'd written in prison, and it ministered to him, and he wanted to talk to me. Wow. So I go to the federal penitentiary. He comes out in his prison garb, and he grabbed me and hugged me and wouldn't let me go grabs me on the shoulders and says, we have so much to talk about. We only have 90 minutes. He sits me down and I'm looking at a man who's twice, well, not twice my age, but yeah, he's probably 25 years older than me. Yep. And he said, John, this prison wasn't God's judgment on my life. It was his mercy. I said, what? He said, if I would have continued to live the way I was living, I would have ended up separated from God for eternity. I would have been in the lake of fire. Now he has my attention. I'm like, okay, I want to hear what this man has to say. Absolutely. Because I, I had walls up. I'll yeah, be for sure. With you. I'd never yeah, yeah. met him before. Yeah. And so he shared with me how Jesus delivered him from all the evil. And he said, all the evil. There yeah. was evil, really yeah. bad evil in my life, right? Yeah. Yeah. The first year of prison. Yeah. And he said, he, he had a Bible study in prison. They spent three hours a day in scriptures. I said, well, of course you're leading the Bible study. He goes, nope. I'm a master manipulator. I am, I am not going back to that. I am not touching it. Another prisoner leads the church. Wow, wow. I'm like, wow, I'm getting more impressed. Yeah, exactly, the humility. So after he finishes the whole story, he then says, I then feel comf- comfortable to ask him my number one question. Yep. Okay, I'm a young minister. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in my 30s. Yep. And I want to know how to finish well. Yeah. Ab- <laughs> okay, that's, that's my number one question. Exactly. So my first question was, Jim, at what point did you fall out of love with Jesus? When, when did it happen? Mm. He looks at me with the most serious face and he said, I didn't. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jim. Now my walls are back up. And I said, you committed adultery and I named the woman's name in 1983. You're doing all this mail fraud for seven years. You yourself tell me that Jesus delivered you from all this evil. What do you mean you didn't fall out of love with him? He right. said, John, I loved him all the way through it. And he sees confusion on my face. Yep. And then he says, I didn't fear God. I went, what'd you say? He said, John, listen, there are millions of Americans like me. They love Jesus, but they have no fear of God. 
Tim, God, God, God's road to life, Jesus said, is a narrow road. That's exactly right. And there's ditches on both sides of every road. That's exactly right. Okay. So the first ditch is called legalism. Mm-hmm. And the church was in that in the 1960s. Now, I oh, wouldn't save goodness. you, but they were yeah. in it. You know, it was oh, all yeah. about these outward rules. Yeah, to, absolutely. Right? That's right. So God gives a revelation of the body of Christ. And it's called God is a good God. That's right. Oral Roberts. He's yeah, the one that said, yeah, we love Oral Roberts, yep, right? Yep. All right. He's and then, good. He's gracious. Right. Right, right, right. Then the Jesus revolution happens. Mm-hmm. And we found out our daddy loves he us. He loves us. Yep, right? Yep. So the love of God delivered us from the ditch of legalism. But yep. we went to the other side of the road and we fell into other ditch. And that ditch is called lawlessness, which is a life where we are alone ourselves, which means I can obey what I want and I right. don't have to obey what I don't like. Right. God's given us a force that keeps us out of that. That's right. It's called the fear of the Lord. That's right. It takes the love of God and fear of God to live a healthy, balanced Christian life that pleases God. So that's why the fear of the to uh, by uh, the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. Proverbs sixteen eight mm-hmm. became so real to me. Mm-hmm. Now that I look at today's statistics, Barna just released a stat that says that over twenty three million. Americans have walked away from the faith. They have gone from practicing Christians, which means they gather regularly and pray regularly, to now professing agnostics, atheists, and spiritualists. And so they're not just quiet. They're actually outspoken. I'm I'm an agnostic. That's right. I'm loud on the other end. That is one out of every 15 Americans. So we're probably talking to people right now. Oh, for sure. Okay. Oh, absolutely. We have deconstructionists that... Um, that listen to this podcast, we have people that haven't been back to church since the church hurt them. Right. right? I and, get it. Yeah, right. So, yes, you're talking to them right now. One of the greatest places. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the greatest places people get hurt are in churches. Absolutely correct. David even said it. It yeah. wasn't an enemy that reproached me. I expect that from him. It That's was right. my equal, my brother. We went in the house of God. We took the word of God. You're the one that has lifted your heel against That's me. That's exactly right. The greatest, the easiest place to get hurt on, on the planet is in church. Absolutely correct. So if I'm talking to you right now, please stay with me. Yes. Because I'm trying to introduce you to a wonderful, loving creator who deeply desires to be intimate with you. Okay. So where was I? Okay. 23 million, (laughs) one out of every 15 Americans have walked away from the faith. Right now, Paul, the apostle said before that day comes, there's going to be a great apostasy, a great falling away of the faith. What he never wrote is that they wouldn't come back. And just as John the Baptist was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, God showed me there's going to be a company of men and women, young and old, that are going to go after the lost sheep of the church. Tim Ross, you might be one of them. That's why you have this heart not to have four walls and a church building, but you have a heart to reach out to these beautiful young people that have become so disillusioned. disillusioned. So I wrote this book because this is why. The Bible makes it so clear that we haven't even begun gun. You can't even begin an intimate relationship with Jesus until you fear God. Proverbs 1, 5, 2, 1, 7 and 2, 5 say the fear of the Lord is the beginning. That word beginning is the same word in Genesis in the beginning God created the heavens. So it's the starting place. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of an intimate relationship with God. Psalm 25 verse 14 says friendship, listen to these words, friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. With them, he shares his secrets. Mm. 
Now, everybody listening, if they have any kind of a heart for God, want to know the secrets of God because they want to be his friend. Yep. But friendship is only promised to those who fear God. That's right. That's the starting place. Yep. So that's why I want to share this with all your listeners because your listeners may have gotten religion. They may have gotten a church. They may have been told you're born again. But I'm submitting to you, I believe many of those 23 million people never really had an authentic relationship with Jesus because right. if you do, you never want out. All right, we need to let that marinate real quick. <clears throat> because um, I've been walking with the Lord for 27 years. And... I remember the ditch of legalism that I was kind of birthed into a church that was everything's about to send you to hell, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yep. Watching t- the TV was a one-eyed demon and then the baseball game could compromise your faith and then a birthday party, you know, with Stevie Wonder playing could make you backslide, <laughs> you know, and I'm so sad to hear that. See, oh, I never experienced that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was raised Catholic, so I never experienced that. Oh, but God go ahead. I, I want you to share more. Yeah, I, I want to yeah. hear your heart. I want to hear your pain. No, no. It, it, it. That was the, that was my first 24 months, and so I just remember thinking, I need to die very soon, while I'm still on fire, because if I stay in this world long enough, the fire is gonna start to dwindle and then I'm going to be backslidden and because I can't hold on well it's legalism there's nothing to hold on to you're in a ditch right there's no way out of it and then when I did come up for air uh, as it were I just remember the love of God Mm -hmm. and this reverential fear. Yes. I compare it to my relationship with Charles Edward Ross. That's my daddy. Okay. So I was born in Inglewood, California. My older brother is 10 years older than me. He founded a gang in LA. My mom worked for the LAPD. My dad worked for the postal service. So I grew up in the hood, right? Crack epidemic in the eighties, Reaganomics, the whole nine. Right. So what I remember is I was, because my brother was an OG in the, in the gang he was in, um, I didn't have to get jumped into the gang. Because if you want to get in the gang, you got to get beat up to get in. It's blood in, blood out, right? So we're going to draw blood to get you in. We draw blood to get you out. Well, he's an OG. I got walked on the set. That just means if one, if your, if your brother, we'll go to mob, mob language. If the Don says you're in, you're in. Right. You ain't got to go shoot somebody, stab somebody, piano wire somebody. You're just in. So I was in for seven days. Those seven days proved to the gang you're not supposed to be here. And here's why. I was afraid of my daddy's belt. (laughs) Charles Edward Ross. Wow. Put more fear in me, not scared fear, but I had a reverential fear of my father. I knew that being in a gang is so diametrically opposed to his will for my life. This, this was at a young age. Wow. That after seven days, the gang kicked me back out. 
They were like, you're clearly not supposed to be here. You're not drinking. You ain't smoking no weed. You ain't ditching school. And I'm like, I'm down to be down with the gang, but not at the expense of being disconnected from my father. This is such a good illustration. And so I literally was expelled from the gang. The gang spit me back out. They were like, thank you for your service, right? <laughs> Seven day gang, gang member. And I'm back out. And because I never wanted to break my father's heart. So after those two years of, of legalism and I came back up to the surface, John, I realized that I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do something I really desire as a temptation, but not do it because I'm going to go to hell. I don't want to break my dad's heart. So I said just this morning on a podcast with, uh, uh, Rebecca, I said, Rebecca, there are people that are scared to disobey God. I said, that's, that's, that's okay. I said, but when you really deeply love him, Mm. you're, terrified of disappointing him that's it that's it for me that's it for me and that's a lot stronger than the fear of punishment absolutely correct absolutely correct for both of my boys um nathan and noah i've i've spanked them right because they've done some stuff that was worth spanking (laughs) i gotcha but at 14 and 12 now they'll be 15 and 13 this year my disappointment in them wrecks them. It wreaks havoc on them mentally. I've noticed that with my own sons. Yeah. They're yes. like, my dad's disappointed. I, and they can feel the separation. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's not me cutting them off. They just feel I don't have that closeness. I don't have that, I don't have that connection to my dad. He's, he's real short with me. And not from a manipulative, angry place, but I, I, we don't have a lot in common right now. The, your behavior is separating the connection I want to have with you. Right. And as a result, you want to have a conversation? And God says your sins have separated you from me. That's absolutely. Not, abso- not me a, from you. That's exactly you from right. Me. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <clears throat> so the fear of the Lord is to hate sin. So when we, when we fear God, we end up taking his heart. Mm. So we love what he loves. We hate what he hates. What is important to him becomes important to me. That's what exactly is not right. so important to him is yep. not so important to me. Yep. So all who fear the Lord, this is Proverbs 6, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Now, I'm going to alleviate everybody's fears again out there of, oh my gosh, no, don't go near legalism. Okay, let me show you what the legalist says. Because legalism destroys everything God made beautiful. Mm. So legalism destroys the beauty of holiness. When, when holiness is irresistible, like C.S. Lewis writes. Right. When you really understand it's irresistible. Yeah. But legalists destroyed it. Yeah. So there's an old proverb. You ever heard the proverb? This is a Chinese proverb. The cat that's been scalded by the boil, or boiling water will fear even the cool water. It's true. So in other words, the water that would bring that cat refreshing it's scared of because it got scalded by the boiling water. So this is what legalism does is it scalds people. So now when the real pure honey of God's word comes to them, they're, they're, they're still scared. Yeah, they can't take it. So, so let me tell you what the legalist says. Legalist says something like this. I fear God. That's why I hate those sinners. Now, I'm going to submit 
this. That person doesn't fear God at all because he hates who God loves. Okay. I love you so much. Okay. Oh, I love you. So God loves that person so much, that quote sinner. Right. That he took on flesh. And when they were done beating him, they didn't even recognize him to be a human being. He knew that would happen because he gave it to Isaiah. He does that just because he loves us. Okay. So he did that because he loves those sinners. Right. That's correct. And you hate what God loves. Now, what God hates is when I makes those people he loves. That's exactly right. And sin unmakes people. That's right. Sin keeps you from your destiny. That's exactly sin right. Sin keeps you from your potential. That's right. God wants every person to walk in their full potential he created them to walk in. That's exactly right. And sin keeps them from that. Yes. Sin separates them from him. That's right. That means they're separated from his wisdom. Yep. That means they're separated from his power. That's right. Okay. So now that we have alleviated any fears in people, mm-hmm. okay, we love what he loves and we hate what he hates. Yep. And you say, whoa, 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 whoa. We hate what he hates? Yep. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> you mean God hates? Yes, he hates. Yes, he, he hates does. what unmakes the people he loves. That's now, right. back in the 1990s, I'm a young 31-year-old preacher, mm-hmm. maybe 32. Mm-hmm. I'm praying two hours every morning. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm called to preach, mm-hmm. but I get up and preach, mm-hmm. and my words have no weight. No power, no anointing. So one day I'm frustrated. I'm like, God, I'm praying two hours every single morning. (laughs) And I don't get it. (laughs) My words are not carrying weight. There's no anointing. Why isn't there a stronger anointing on my life? And I heard the Holy Spirit say this so softly and so firmly. He said, because you tolerate sin. I went, what? He said, you tolerate sin not only in your life, but in the lives of others. He said, read Hebrews 1. So I go over to Hebrews 1. I have no idea what I'm really going to read. But I do know this. It's the day that God the Father inaugurated Jesus as king of the universe. Mm -hmm. It's the day he was raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. God the Father looks at the Son and says, because you have loved righteousness. And the Holy Spirit said, stop. Every Christian loves righteousness. But he didn't stop there. He said, because you've loved righteousness and hated sin. Mm -hmm. Therefore, God, even your God has anointed you beyond your companions. He said, son, learn to hate sin the way I hate sin, and you'll see the anointing of God increase on your life. So the anointing is what destroys the yoke. The right. anointing is what liberates. It, it, what's, it's what opens our eyes and reveals him to us, right? So without the anointing, you know, you have an anointing in you. Right. That you have no need that any man should teach you. Right. How can I not have that anointing? Right, absolutely correct. Now... He becomes now to me a fictitious God. Right. You know, there's a so I'm gonna go back to the days of MJ. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know, I know, I'm I'm still past some people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay; they but can Google. <laughs> MJ MJ was the most like I don't know anybody today that was as popular as MJ. No, back in the '90s. No. So when his father got shot, and I know Michael Jordan's mother, Dolores, she's up a queen. Yep. She actually said to me one day, she said, if you sign Michael's book or you sign your book for Michael, I'll have him sign your book to you. <laughs> so I said, sure, and, I'll do it. And, and, and the one he and, signed would and, be worth more. And the one he, one, <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm going to make this worse. <laughs> right, right, right. The one he signed to me, I lost in my move. 
So anyway, don't tell Dolores. I, I won't. I hope nobody tells Dolores because I think the world of that woman. Yeah. But remember when Michael Jordan's dad got shot? Yep. People wept, yep. wept, wept, wept. Kobe Bryant. Yep. Same thing. Yep. Flowers, yep. weeping, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Princess yeah. Diana, right? Yep. yep. These people met Michael on the street, Michael Jordan. Yeah. You go, they go, they go, Michael, Michael, Michael. You go, who are you? I don't know you. Right. Okay. And then he personally, in person, might be totally different than the way they see him on the court. Right. That's correct. And he is. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of people that love Jesus, but Jesus makes this statement. I don't know who you are. Absolutely correct. I, you can't spend eternity with me because I, I don't know who you are. Absolutely correct. You, you who practiced lawlessness. Yep. So the fear of the Lord is what delivers us from that ditch of lawlessness. That's right. And that's why this is so important because we, we don't want to know a fictitious Jesus. That's right. He's invisible. You can make him any way you want. Right, right, right. Right? right that's what Israel did. Yeah, absolutely. When they came out of Egypt, yep. God came down the mountain and said, we can't handle this. Yep. Absolutely. So Moses goes, spends 40 days with God. Yep. And they said, Aaron, make us Elohim. They yeah. will go before us. Elohim mean Elohim is used for God over 2000 times in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. He creates this calf. Yep. And they say, they point right at the calf and they call it Jehovah. Mm. Jehovah is the most, is the name of God, Yahweh. Mm -hmm. It's the sacred name of God. Mm -hmm. It is never, ever used for a false idol except that one time. So they created a Yahweh that would give them what they wanted. They had their sexual orgies and all that stuff yep. going on, right? Yep. So they still confessed that Yahweh delivered him from Egypt. They still confessed he healed him, still confessed that he, <clears throat> you know, prospered him, fed yep. him every day, yep. gave him manna, right? Yep. But they changed his image into a Yahweh that would give him whatever they want. That's exactly right. So what happens is when we don't have the holy fear of God, we created Jesus, who Paul calls the Corinthian church, a different Jesus. We would call it today a knockoff Jesus. That's exactly right. It's a discount Jesus. Yeah. It's a discount. It's a Jesus that doesn't pay full price. He doesn't bleed out on a cross. He pricks his finger and drops it on your head. And that's completely different. All right. So I got a sobering image um, uh, to the Lord, Lord, you know, I've prophesied in your name. I've done yep. this in your name. Yep. The, 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 that passage, John, used to wreck me because I'm like, how? How does this even happen? Right. So the Lord, the Holy Spirit gives me this beautiful analogy. So you and I own an apple orchard, 100 acres, okay? And so we'll just call it the J&T apple tree. Okay. That's our company. And, and right. we provide for Mott's. You know, we 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 yep. provide for Mott's. We provide for Sara Lee's apple pies. Yep. And a couple of, I don't know, cheesecake factories. They got some apple cheesecake or whatever. And so we, we got some good vendors, okay? And uh, we have a uh, freak situation where we usually have eight weeks for harvest of all of our apples with our 50 employees. Um, don't ask me how 50 employees do 100 acres, but they're amazing people. Just, we'll make it 100 employees. We have 100 employees that uh, uh, can do 100 acres in eight weeks. And we get a crop report that says that there's a freak ice storm coming through. And where we had eight weeks to harvest, this storm's going to come through in four weeks from now. So now we've literally cut the time that we have to harvest in half. Now, these are people, John, that we have 
done background checks on when they uh, filled out applications to work for us. We put them through screening. We had interviews. We had uh, other people in the organization sign off on it, and we hired them, right? We put them on 90-day probations, and they followed the company code, and so we gave them our little shirt and their and our hat, and then they got their little key swipe and, you know, log in for our computers and all that kind of stuff, and they're just a-working. And now we find out that we don't have eight weeks to get the harvest in. We have four. And we can't ask these people to work overtime because we'll kill them. So we get together and start talking and we say, our harvest means a lot to us. So much so that we're going to have to call the temp agency and ask the temp work, get the temp agency in here and tell them we need 100 workers. We need 100 more because we got to do this in four weeks instead of eight. So we need 100 more Workers to come in. Um, what's the qualifications? They just need to be able to pick apples. Well, you have company bylaws. You have certain things that you want done. And yet we just need people that are able-bodied and can pull in apples. And so 100 people flooded. We just mm. handing out shirts and hats and key fob swipes and everything. And they get in there and everybody's picking apples. Here's what happens over the four weeks. We get... Dozens of complaints from our employees that the temp agency people are smoking weed on breaks, having sex in the bathroom, doing all this stuff that's against company code. And they are shocked by our response because our response isn't get them in here so we can fire them. Our response is are they picking apples? They're like, yeah, and get back to work. So now they think we've compromised our integrity and our cultural values because wow. all these apples are coming in, right? <clears throat> so in four weeks, guess what? These 200 people get all the apples in. And then so we come into the warehouse and we have a celebration and we stack up all of the checks and line everybody up so they can get paid. And we start saying, Christina, thanks so much. You were amazing. Tommy, thanks so much. You were brilliant. Brenda, you were so awesome. Douglas, you were amazing. Michael, right? But we only have 100 checks. And there's 200 people in line to get paid. So 97, 98, 99, 100, 101 is like this. And we're like, who, who are you? And they're like, I'm, I'm Bill. I, I've been working here the last four weeks. I have on your shirt, your hat, I have your fob. And I've been out in your field. And I'm like, John, do you have Bill's name? What's your last name? Do, I don't have, and then you, we look behind, and there's 99 more people behind Bill. And we're going, we don't have any checks for you. We don't even know you. And then we're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Big mistake. I apologize. You don't actually get paid by us. You get paid by the temp agency. What was the name of the temp agency? Was it manpower? Was it special counsel? No. I know the name of the temp agency. It's called iniquity. That's who you've worked for this entire time. 
Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I healed in your name. How do you say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you, when the things that you actually did worked? It's because I love my harvest so much (laughs) that I would allow you to work in my field even though you're not connected to me. Mm. It's heavy. That's heavy. It's humbling. And it's sobering. And it created a fear in me, a healthy reverential fear, not afraid. Yeah. Whose team am I actually playing for? Do I actually work for the right? No, it's just, Lord, I never want to be a temp worker in your harvest. Or birth temp workers. Sheesh. You know the you know one of the most wow. terrifying statements in wow. a good way that Jesus made when he looks at the leaders and said you shut up the kingdom of heaven not only to yourselves but to others. That's right. And when you travel land and sea to make one convert and when you do you make him a twofold child of hell as yourself. That's exactly right. That's terrifying. Oh, oh that, that, that's Matthew 23 <laughs> is a sobering reality to me right now. And where's that 25? And you know, it, it's, it's 23. Okay. It is and, 23. and okay. what you don't want, <laughs> what you don't want is you don't want to create workers of iniquity. Yes. And I think that our Western gospel, the way we have gone about it, I'm a little bit alarmed by it. Because it easily fosters people who keep their idols and invite Jesus into their heart too. So, in other words, I look at I look at repentance, and repentance is the, one of the most beautiful words in the New Testament, other than Jesus, of course. <clears throat> and yet, people don't get repentance. So let's let's talk this through. We, we, I, I'm going to say something that's really going to blow your mind. I want it. Okay. You sure? Yes, absolutely. I think one of the things that's kept people from an authentic relationship more than anything else in the, in the Western church is our sinner's prayer. Okay. Now, let me, let me, yeah, get your feet up. You better get them up. (laughs) I'm ready for this, sir. I'll tell you why. We preach Jesus for 35 minutes, which we should. And we say, do you want a relationship with God? Come on down. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Amen. Now you're a child of God. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's take a step back and let's talk about this. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. Yep. Paul makes the statement in the New Living Translation, Ephesians 5, a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, two shall become one. But then he says this. This is actually an illustration That's of the exactly way right. the church and Jesus That's are right. one. That's exactly right. Okay. So let's talk about this. When a girl walks down an aisle of a church, she's got a white dress on. She's actually making a pretty bold statement. She's saying goodbye to about 3.9 billion guys. What is, she, what is she doing? She's saying, this is the one and only man I'm giving the rest of my life to. Okay, does it make her a perfect wife the first week? No. Nope. First year? No. Nope. First 50 years? No. Nope. Just means she's given every bit of her loyalty to him, and she's saying, I will not develop any romantic relationships in the future. I will break all romantic relationships in the past. 
Now, let's really be honest. I want all your listeners to hear this, and I want you to ask yourself this. You got a young man dating a young girl in the United States. The young man looks at her and says, I am so in love with you. Will you marry me? He's down on his knee, right? She goes, oh my gosh, I am so elated. I'm beside myself. Yes, yes, I'll marry you. But, you know, I was, I was dating steady uh, Tony for two years in high school. I, I really would like two or three nights a year with him. And, you know, Aaron, I was pinned to him in college. Aaron and I were pinned. We were actually pinned, but um, I, I'd like three or four nights a year with him. Now, I will have 350 nights a year with you. You will be my favorite. What? I will love you more than Tim. I will what? love you more than Aaron. But would any man, would any man, would any man in America accept that proposal? Nope. Okay. So neither when, would any woman. So <laughs> what what is yeah, that's right. So what is repentance? Repentance is when I say, I'm breaking up with all the things that drove the nails into my Lord's hand. Yep. Because I love him. My yep. loyalty is with him. Yep, 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 yep. Okay? Yep. I'm not going to embrace it. I'm yep. not going to tolerate it. Yep. I'm not going to flirt with it. Yep. I'm done with it. Yep. So you make that decision in your heart. Do you miss it once once in a while? Yes. Just like- I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nobody, nobody yeah. doesn't miss it. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but your loyalty- That's right. Is so for him that you're heartbroken if you do miss it. That's exactly right. You're, you're heartbroken. Yeah, absolutely. Because you hurt the heart of the one who gave himself for you. Mm. So Jesus like leaves this place we can't even imagine yet. None of us can. And he comes into a cursed world, puts on a body- and like I said earlier, by the time they were done beating him, I mean, think about it. He knows he's going to be rejected, dishonored, despised, yep. lied about. Yep. He's going to be punched in the face, yep. have his beard plucked out. Yep. He's going to be spit on in his face. Yep. He's going to be scourged with whips that have fragmented bones and lead tips on him. He's going to have thorns shoved into his skull. By the time he gets to the cross, all the beatings they've done, they don't even recognize him to be a human being. He knows this is going to happen. Yep. He does it one reason, because yep. he loves us. Yep. Right? So we think he's come back for a bride that says, I want to sleep with the world just a little longer. He's coming back for a bride that's given herself to him the way he gave himself to her. That's correct. And that the fear of the Lord creates that deep, deep love connection with him. Yep. That says, I don't want to break your heart. I I I um uh I want to go back to a statement that I hope helps people that we love what he, what God loves and we hate what he hates. That coming to an agreement with what God hates can tear a person up because you don't hate it. You may even love it. <laughs> but when you come into a relationship with God and he says, I actually hate what you love. That means you have to hate something that God has always hated, but you've always loved and now have to learn to hate. The way I, when I was a young adult pastor, the way I explained it was um, I love like fruity desserts. So like apple pie, a la mode is like one of my favorites, right? Yeah. So hot apple pie, a la mode with vanilla bean ice cream on top. And just the way that the, the, the cold ice cream submits to the heat of the apple pie is just... 
delicious. It's delicious. It's divine. <laughs> now, if we were to find somewhere in Scripture, in the original Hebrew or Greek, that it's actually forbidden for me to have apple pie a la mode, I'm going to struggle in that area. Why? Because I've tasted it. I like it. I've known it. I've embraced it. I remember it. I crave it. I desire it. And now I find out God hates it. But I've already tasted it. And I've loved it. Well, now a decision has to be made. Will I hate what he hates like he hates it? Or will I go cast a mold from my own little Jesus, my own little Yahweh, because I got to have my pie. <laughs> I still want you, and I still want to give you credit for all the things you've done for me, but I've got to have my piece of pie. What I want to submit to you, to all my dwellers, is that when you find out what God hates, and it's something that you've loved, don't try to hate it by yourself. Correct. God will give you the desire. But let's go back to what we said originally. Why does God hate it? Because it unmakes you. It unmakes so what he made. So that little thing that you like so much is actually what's destroying you. <clears throat> so if you look at the garden, you got two trees. One's the tree of life. One's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. There's thousands of other trees, yeah. but they're the two main gifts. Yeah, absolutely. The tree of life is trusting that God is our creator and loves us more than we could ever even imagine and that he knows what's best for us and wants what's best for us. So it's trusting his word is the best for me, whether I understand it or not. Point blank uh, period. I have four sons, right? Yep. In the 1990s, they were all to toddlers. Mm-hmm. Christmas is a work day. <laughs> that is a work day. You are right. So, so it they, is a work day. I'm assembling all, stuff. You, yeah. you are building oh all those toys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <clears throat> so I'm the typical dad. I rip open the box. I throw the pieces on the floor, throw the box over the side, throw the <laughs> manual over the side, and I start building. Now, after an, hour, out. <laughs> after an hour of building... I'm finished. Yep. But there's still 10 pieces on the floor. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I flip the switch and the toy doesn't work. <laughs> right. Right? Right. So what right. do I do? Get I go the get manual. the manual, the guy that it. designed the toy. <laughs> That's exactly right. I deconstruct it. Right. And build it the way he said to build it. And I flip the switch and it works. Oh my gosh, it works. So God is the one who manufactured us. He knows what makes me. He knows what breaks me. Okay? <clears throat> That's the tree of life. Yep. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is Eve deciding what is good for her regardless yes. of what God says right. about it. Right. It says when she saw the tree was good and it would make her wise. It doesn't say when she saw it was evil and would make her deviant. Right. She determined... What is good for me outside of the counsel of God's word? And we're, that, that's never going to lead, lead you to a place that's good. Okay, now, look at what's happening in our society today. 
let's talk about it honestly. When you start telling a child you can choose whatever you want to choose, whoop, okay, can I take it one step further? Are take you okay with it? 17 when steps you, forward, when you, please. When you put a pair of jeans and a skirt in front of that child yep. and you say, which one do you, which one do you, are you? Yeah. You are saying to that child, forget that you were fearfully and wonderfully created by your creator in your mother's womb. Right. You now are the one that chooses what's best for your yep. life. Now, why would God hate that? Because God says what's best for your life. Yep. I've I've put it all in you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Now the enemy's going to try to pervert it and yep. say it's not best for your life yep. because the enemy wants to destroy you. Yep. So this is lawlessness. Yes, lawlessness it is. means you're a law unto yourself. Yep. It means I can choose to obey what portions of what God says that I agree with. Right. But if I don't agree with it, I can casually ignore it and I can choose what's best for me. Yep. That's the whole root issue. I mean, interestingly enough, that's what it was in the garden. Adam didn't jump in bed with a prostitute. No, no. He simply said, I'm going to choose what's best for me. Right. Regardless of what God says. Absolutely. And so now, what is the end of the age? The mystery of lawlessness is at work. It's getting worse and worse and worse on an exponential curve. Absolutely correct. Okay? Yep. So what's happening? We are watching people fall headlong into it. What's going to save our nation what's going to save all these young people who are so beautiful and so loved by god is when they learn the holy healthy fear of god that's right and when they really learn that whatever god says for me is really what's best for me even if i think apple pie is best for me that's right i really really know that god knows what's best for me and not only that god did something so wonderful yeah he changes our nature to give us the desire that's exactly right for to That's choose right. what's best That's for right. us, That's which exactly he says right. is best for us. Because listen to this, as you uh, <clears throat> as you have obeyed, not only in my presence but in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's right. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's right. So God's put a nature in us that makes us have the desire to do what He wants. That's right. And so it's 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 a win win package. It is. It's a total win package. Yeah. But blind people can't see that. Yep. So they say, no, no, I'm going to choose what's best for me. I'm going to have the right to choose whatever I want. Right. I don't want God's rule in my life yep. because I think he's mean. No, yeah. God's not mean. Yeah. God is perfect love, but he is a holy God. That's right. Point blank period. We're not getting around that. Okay. So you know what, you know what Oswald Chambers said? When we preach the love of God, we fall into the danger of forgetting that God, first of all, didn't reveal himself as a loving God, but he first of all reveals himself in his blazing holiness. That's right. And in the center of that blazing holiness is his love. Is his love. When Isaiah saw the Lord, That's right. the angels weren't crying, love, love, love. Right, right. <clears throat> okay. They weren't crying, faithful, faithful, faithful. Is God love? He is love. He good, didn't even good, have love. Good. He is love. He, they weren't crying, good, good, good. <laughs> That's exactly right. The attribute of God that stands above all, all others is his holiness. Yep. So this holy God says, I want to give you the way, the package, yep. to be holy like I'm holy. Yeah, absolutely. So not only am I going to tell you what's right for you, yeah. but I'm going to give you the desire to yeah. do what's right for you. Yeah. And that what gives you the desire to do what's right for you is my holy That's fear. That's exactly right. That's why Jesus delighted in yeah. him. And that's why Jesus didn't make a mistake. All right. So I got to say two things. I see everything in pictures, John. So as you were talking, 
I want to go back to the uh, uh, the jeans and the skirt real quick, and then I got to go back to your uh, analogy uh, of building on Christmas. Um, uh, jeans and skirt. The 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 people that are proponents for my kid gets to choose, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to give a gender neutral name off the rip yep. because by the time yep. they can they hit the age of consciousness, you know, four to six years old, I'm going to let them choose. My argument to them is, then don't be a hypocrite. Don't hide the uh, liquor. Don't lock up your guns. Don't put the little hooks on the cabinet to childproof. Leave the poison out and let your kid choose if they want Clorox or water. It should be their choice. Outstanding. Right? Outstanding. Let, let them choose if I've they want to. Never thought of that, that all the way through. Let, let them use your 380 or the Nerf gun. Let them choose what they want to play with. Because if you're going to allow them to choose this at this age and stage, they should be in charge to take the big wheel or your car. My thing is, just don't be a hypocrite. Well, you would, I would never, I got to protect my child. <clears throat> oh, now you want to protect them. <laughs> right? So my thing is, leave it all out and let them choose everything. Let them use the blunt, dull scissors. Or the steak knife. It should be their choice. They should be able to play in the front yard or the highway. It should be their choice. Since we giving people choice. Tim, you're preaching now. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm loving this. I'm going to lay that down. And then I guess we'll wrap up with this. You made a statement about building that whole thing up. And there's 10 pieces missing. And so you have to go back to the owner's manual and deconstruct it. And the only thing I heard so loud in my spirit is all deconstruction ain't bad. Mm, Wow. There has been so much of a fear. The deconstructionists are out there and they're trying to deconstruct the church. Wow. I think some of them are trying to because they went back to the owner's manual and said, y'all missing some pieces. They started reading the Bible for themselves <laughs> as opposed to. Oh, my goodness. You are so right on. They, they started reading the Bible for themselves, John, as opposed to just. I want to be on your show more. <laughs> <laughs> I am learning so much right now. <laughs> you are welcome back anytime, my friend. <laughs> oh, my God. So, but think about it. If, if they're reading this for themselves now and then they're looking up at what they've been told is church they're going y'all are missing some pieces there's like 14 pieces on the floor and it should be in this house of worship and it's not here so it's not that i'm mad it's just that i picked up the owner's manual and i realized you never come here to preach a sermon you preach 14A. Because you know the steps. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it in context, right? So, good. so your whole message for, for a whole year is 14A. 14A. Come on, everybody. Turn, turn to the book of 14A. Hey, man, we're just going <laughs> to preach 14A. And it's like 3B needs an Allen wrench. Y'all don't even have one here. <laughs> so no wonder this thing is so flimsy yeah. and so fragile is because 
You haven't gone from Genesis to Revelation. And one of the biggest things is left out is repentance and the holy fear of God. And it's because the legalists burned them and they're a bunch of scald cats and they, they they don't know what to do. That's absolutely correct. And so let's let's get over the the, the scalding yeah. and let's realize that anything God writes in there is for our ultimate good. It is. Even if you don't understand it. Even if you don't get it. Yeah. I mean, as I, I think any parent right now would know that you got a child that doesn't believe the stove is hot. You're okay. I'm gonna say this, and then I promise I'll shut up on this. <laughs> Why would you want to shut up? This is so good. <clears throat> we were in. Uh, uh, you want to you want to know a lie we believed, and I'm, and I'm coming from the, the 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 position and perspective of faith. Yeah. One of the lies that we have believed is uh, experience is the best teacher. <laughs> we were never supposed to learn by experience. I know. We were supposed to learn by faith. I agree with this. Uh, you know, now that I've burned my hand and have a blister bubbling off of my index finger, now I know the stove is hot, and that's more valuable than if I just took my pa- no, no, no. Parents' word for it. We were never supposed to learn from experience. We were supposed to learn by faith. Yes. Someone who loves me and has been here longer than me knows what's best for me. And by faith, I have never burned my finger on that stove because my dad said it's hot. That's right. By faith, I've kept my virginity to marriage because my dad said promiscuity would not lead me to fulfillment and connectivity with the person that I want to love for the rest of my life. Correct. Correct. The Lord told me to stay sober and not to get drunk because when I'm outside of my faculties, I make decisions that can turn into permanent consequences. Correct. And so I do not get drunk. It's all in the owner's manual. It's all in the owner's manual. It's all there. John. And you know, we're hiding the things that are protecting people from burning their fingers on the stove. Because it's- we don't feel... Like they'll receive that message. So here's what I'm a, a little bit. I'm, I, I mean, we've talked about basically two or three chapters out of 42 chapters in this book. It's very true. <laughs> I, uh, I want to tell you, your listeners, because you, your listeners are the ones I love. Well, I love everybody. And don't get me wrong, okay? I love, but he I just loves us more. I, I. <laughs> I John was, Bevere I, said, I, I, <laughs> I'm going with it. I'm I rolling with it. I was a youth pastor. <laughs> yes. And once lifers. you're a youth Me pastor, too. you always yes. have the youth in your Absolutely heart. Correct. Okay. Absolutely correct. So We're even though I'm 64, I'm still a youth pastor. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So anyway, um, I looked, I, I prayed and I said, God, the Gen Z's and millennials are not reading. Okay. What do I do? Mm. How do I get this message into their lives to protect them? Mm. And he gave me the idea of making very, very short chapters. So, there's no chapter more than six pages long, except for two, and there are 42 chapters in the book, which means, so you can read the chapter in five minutes. So, there's 42 chapters, which 42 days is six weeks. There's seven chapters in six sections. Seven times six is 42, right? At the end of every chapter, there's the five Ps. There is the point, or the, the passage, the point, the ponder, the prayer, and the profession, the ponder is the one I really spent time on. These are questions to ask yourself to really get the main point of the chapter into your spirit, right? Then at the appendix A, at the back of the book, there's a QR code. And you put your phone on that QR code, and you have 42 videos. Wow. And the publisher said, well, 
John, how are you going to charge for that? I said, I'm not. They said, you're going to do 42 videos and not charge for it. I said, yes, I want this message in people's hearts. So here's what you do. Every morning you get up, you read five minutes, you go through the five Ps, then you watch the four minute video. You can do that all through the day to keep getting it into you. You can space it out however you want. And it's really working because so many people that don't read are saying, I'm going through this book because these little chapters have so much in them that it takes me sometimes a couple days before I go to the next one. So I'm just really hoping that your hearers hear that and that the fact that if you you say, gosh, I'm really not one to read, this is made in a way where it's super simple. Absolutely correct. Okay, let me say this. I, you got to go. I want to steward your time. Um, we had Jackie Hill Perry on, and we gave a challenge uh, to our uh, audience to not listen to secular music for 30 days, knowing the benefit that many of them are never going to go back to secular music. Yep. We're talking about the soul-crushing music that <clears throat> yep. the beat ain't Good the problem. Good challenge. The, the beat ain't the problem. It's the lyrics writing over that beat, right? Right. Um. As you've wrapped that up, my next challenge is for you to get this book and set aside six weeks. Even if you're, I'm not a reader, then you're going to get this book. And and because see, here's the thing: for some of you all, this needs to be said. This is a father in the faith, and for some of you all, you you have been so hurt by a spiritual father or a natural father, that you have shut off the father's voice. So anytime you've been presented with a firm command or a challenge, you shut down because it triggers the bad experience you've had with a bad father. Hear my tone. I'm not suggesting you get this book. I am telling you that if you call yourself a dweller, I need you to get this book of God set aside six weeks and go through it. You will be a different person at the end of this book. And you are investing in the longevity of your ministry, career, marriage, and personal walk with God. That's the challenge. John, I love you. I love you, Tim. Thank you for the I'm time. I'm so proud of you. Please, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Please tell Lisa I said hi. I will. And all your kids. And your beautiful wife. Thank you. I appreciate you. Y'all, bye. We just thought to take a little time out to thank the Lord.